If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 23rd to the 29th of May. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's news editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzie. Looking forward to some more exciting events. Absolutely, always do. Well, I hope you like getting up again because we're back to the morning sky. And, well, this is the point in it. There, there are so many planets in the morning sky at the moment that most of the major events actually are taking place there. And a lot of the events always involve the moon. Um, it's close to a bright star, close to a bright planet. And in this particular case, on the 25th, we find the moon forming a wonderful triangle with Mars and Jupiter. We want to be looking 4 a.m. roughly in the east, sort of like east-southeast region. And so twilight is bright, but the moon's bright, Jupiter's bright, Mars are bright. So, you know, you should be able to easily spot them. It's a lovely, it's one of those photographic opportunities sort of thing, you know, grab this, this wonderful triangle with these two bright planets and the crescent moon there as well. And Venus is well off to their left in actual fact. So the next morning on the 26th, the moon, lies between Jupiter and Venus forming a shallow triangle as well. So are these I just I just love looking out for these, but you do need an uncluttered horizon. That that's the absolute um, real main thing about this is you need a clear uncluttered horizon to actually see these. But uh, it's uh, wonderful to watch the moon. And again, you see the motion of the moon. We mentioned last week about the moon and it's unloved. And this is a way of watching the moon and its clockwork motion literally moving every single morning. You see it getting across the sky, passing different planets. So there we are. So that was the 26th when the moon lay between Jupiter and Venus. It's getting quite low. You've got to bear in mind that Venus is getting very low, so it's getting closer into the uh, solar glare. So you're going to have to be careful that you don't overrun, and so you get then sunrise. But it's worth for the next morning because we have another really close conjunction between the moon and Venus. I mean, the morning star is classed as either the morning or the evening star. At the moment, we've got it in the morning sky. So we've got brilliant Venus there, and the very slim crescent moon lies directly below Venus, absolutely directly below it. But you want to be looking around about 4 a.m., 
roughly just past east, just to the left of east, and you should see it. But there again, if you can't find Venus, it must be cloudy. <laughs> because it is. It is a, it's a bright one. It's not quite as bright as the moon, but it's, it's no, but it definitely. obvious when it's in the sky. And it's, it's always interesting, the number of people who often sort of either write into the magazine saying, I saw this bright star above the moon the other morning. Um, please tell me what it is. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it really, it's usually going to be Jupiter or Venus, to be fair. Um, they're usually the two brightest planets to go with the moon. But well, looking, well worth looking at it. But there's something else to look out for, and that is when you get the moon as a crescent, whether it's in the evening sky or the morning sky, you can often see the other half, the night side feebly glowing. And this is earth shine. It's, it's basically second-hand sunlight bounced off the Earth's atmosphere and reflected onto the moon. It's like a photographer's fill-in flash. It's sort of like illuminating the night sky landscape of the moon. And so you've got the bright crescent, which is the daylight side, and then you've got this feeble light that you can see very faintly the features of the moon uh, because of this earth shine. I, I just think it's ethereal. It just looks gorgeous when you get that. It's, it's one of those sort of times when it's worth getting up just to see that. But you've got the bonus of having Venus actually above it as well. Now, we're always talking about conjunctions. You know, this is where two objects share. Technically, it should be sharing the same right ascension coordinates. But we do tend to use the word conjunction quite liberally and very vaguely, I have to say, as long as two objects are close to each other in the sky. But we do have a genuine conjunction on May the 29th. And this is where Jupiter and Mars finally meet. And again, they'll be really, really close. So we really like these. Well worth looking out for them. And they'll only be about half a degree apart. Now, that's the, the width of the moon. The average width of the moon is half a degree. So you could fit a half moon between them. So if you can see the moon and you can see the shape of it, then you can easily see these two planets separated. So look towards the east of the east, southeast sky around 4 a.m. for this gorgeous view. Binoculars will be good. And if you've got a telescope with a wide field of view, home in on that as well, because but you can see it with the naked eye. So it's always nice if you've got a, a target, something happening, whereby it works for all three, naked eye, binocular, and telescope as well. So if you've got all three, obviously, hopefully you've got the first one, the eyes, it does help really, doesn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think we could do radio astronomy on this sort of thing with a conjunction. It wouldn't work, would it? But, <laughs> uh, it'd be a bit strange, but, yeah. uh, you know. You but, could, you know. I, I think it's also with those, like when you said you could get all three, a naked eye, binocular and telescope, that's also another really good one for beginners or people who are sort of stepping up their game with astronomy as as you're learning. Because um, you can immediately see it with your naked eyes. It's very obvious. As you said, Jupiter's usually one of the brightest things in the night sky, um, which makes it very easy to find with binoculars. <laughs> you just whip them up and there it is. Um, and also quite easy to find with a telescope. So you can really try and um, improve your game on at times like this. So definitely try and get out there and have a look. And of course, with binoculars and telescope, when you've got Jupiter involved, you could always try looking for the Galilean moons as well. I know it'll be a bright twilight, but you might pick them out just before the sky gets too bright. So you've got a whole host. You've got Mars, you've got Jupiter, and you may have the Galilean moons as well uh, to, uh, to as an extra. So, you know, several solar system objects in one, planets and moons. But I love these conjunctions. And after that, Jupiter is moving higher up in the sky. Mars is slowly moving. It is actually gradually 
dropping into the twilight, but it's taking a slower job than Venus. Venus being an inner planet is dropping back rather rapidly into the solar glare. So it's one of those things we will be losing it very shortly. Now, May time is, and especially towards the end of May, is when we start to look out for what we call noctilucent clouds. These are night shining clouds. And so, you know, there's not just planets up there and the moon to observe as well as the stars of the summer sky. We now have the chance to see these night shining clouds. They look silvery blue. And generally in the evening, you want to be looking roughly northwest for these. And they're one of those that they are very ephemeral, you know, so they can they can appear and you may have a few minutes watching them and then they dissipate and you think where they're gone. Then another time, I've watched one set that occurred and they, they went through all the whole night, you know, but what they do is you, because it's the reflection of sort of like sunlight off ice crystals really high up in the atmosphere, that's why they're still visible. Normal clouds wouldn't be visible at that time because they'd be in darkness. So normal clouds go up to about five miles high. We're talking about uh, ice crystals that are probably up to about 50 miles high in the atmosphere. So they're still in direct sunlight, but they have this silvery blue look. And as the sun moves below the horizon, so the noctilucent clouds gradually seem to drift across from northwest through north. And if you're looking, you see them all night, then you'll see them up to about half an hour, well, about an hour before sunrise, because as the sky gets lighter, of course, it'll wash out the noctilucent clouds. So this is the season, this is the month they actually start to be first noticed. So keep a lookout towards that northeast and northwest horizon, just in case you start seeing the noctilucent clouds. They, they have, well, we've said this before about the aurora. They are completely unpredictable. We can't guarantee you'll see them. They will, they'll be there or they won't. It's as simple as that. That's why you need a good clear horizon again. Keep a lookout and you might be lucky to pick these up, but they are, they're so ephemeral. And if you watch them, sometimes you can actually see motion in the cloud over a course of several minutes, especially if you're using binoculars for some intricate structure. You have to see little curvy waves suggesting there is atmospheric circulation taking place there, disturbing the ice crystals, creating these wonderful patterns. So definitely look out for the noctilucent clouds as we head in towards the last week of May. I do have to say, uh, noctilucent clouds, it's one of those things that I'm I'm not sure if I've ever seen them. <laughs> there was one time when it was like, that might be a noctilucent cloud, that might just be a cloud. But I've always wanted to. They They, you know, you see these amazing pictures. And I know astronomy pictures never look like the real thing but it, it's one of those things that I've always really wanted to go and see so I will definitely be keeping an eye out throughout well the end of May onwards and um, I did mention I that um, you know that the, they look the normal clouds look dark but you've got to bear in mind when the moon's up the moon can illuminate ordinary clouds so when the moon's up this has confused people and put up pictures which are actually normal clouds mm, very low exactly. down, but they're illuminated by moonlight. So the key is they look a silvery blue sort of like, and they're, 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 there's, a, there's something about them that sort of catches your eye and you think that is different to normal clouds. So well worth looking out for them, but don't be caught out if the moon's up and it's illuminating very low cloud. I've seen it done. <laughs> And if we have any uh, astrophotographers out there who manage to, to capture one, always, we always love seeing those sorts of things. And perhaps even if you're you're not a photographer, but you're more of, a, of an artist, it might be something that's uh, a bit more magical and ephemeral to, to, to try our sketching techniques on. Um, and we'd also love to see those as well. If you ever have a really good sketch, please do feel free to send them in to us at Sky at Night magazine. 
If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.